Yo, 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 Thought Warriors. What is up? Her learning this on is I, Van Lathan Jr. And it's me, Rachel and Lindsay. Okay. Just to let you guys know, we're recording this greeting after we've already recorded the podcast. <laughs> so, uh, the podcast drip. That's why it's flat. Dri- <laughs> flat. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I don't know why I was so affected by the kick in the ass that the Supreme Court gave us today. Um, but I would like to warn everybody that I'm not at my best today. Okay. A little daddy. Rachel is always on the ball. Where are you right now, Rachel? Hmm? Where are you? I'm in Dallas. I'm at the judge's. In Dallas. What the judge, at the, the judge's, judges what did the judge say about the Supreme Court decision? What did he say? No comment. No comment from the judge. I'm not gonna say. Because he because he uh because it like he, you know, he's a he's a judge, so like he could be it could be controversial. It could be controversial. I would just say that I feel like you're feeling this kick in the ass because now it's real. Right? Mm. Mm. We were just talking about it. Mm. It was looming, but now it's real. It's the law of the land. That's why. It's kicking in. And that's why it's hard to accept. And that's why I'm upset. And that's why you're not okay. Well, it's it, it, you know what it is? It's, and we'll get to, we have Michael Harriet on the show today. We don't have very many topics today. We talk about this and we, we meander and I say. And then we just lose. We just things. lose lose it. After, just lose it after really Michael leaves. We'll do, we'll do a, a poor job of laying things out. The facts is whatever, man. And then at the end, I think we talk about Adam 22 and Lena the Plug from from No Jumper. So if you guys care about that, just stick around. But that's what I'll say. You know, it's it, it, it's uh maybe I'm making a mountain out of a molehill and probably am. You know, I Charlemagne says a fan overreacts to everything. And I do. I do because it's uh I'm just I'm sick of the bullshit. You know what it is? Let me tell you something, Rachel, real quick. Okay, tell me. You ready for this? I'm ready. Are you we ready to are. get what I'm you ready to pick up what I'm putting down right now, Rich? I got it. I got you. Okay. I'm 43 years old. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you where I'm at in my life. I'm at the point in my life where I realize I won't change the world. However, mm. I do still feel the need to make sense of it. So it's an interesting place to be in. Because before you think, after me, things are going to be different. And then you realize things are the way they are and people are working so hard to keep them that way. Then you think, well, even if I can't do anything, there'll be some solace and understanding why things are the way they are. That'll work. And as hard as you try, you just can't fucking understand. So you're just floating on a rock, made of stardust, trying to figure shit out.
you got anything for me, Rach? Or okay, on? I'm not going to pick that up. But um, what I am going to do is um, throw to our great interview with Michael <laughs> Harriet. <laughs> <laughs> on the other side of this break. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. Side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Okay, so it happened. We were... Looking to dreading, anticipating the Supreme Court decision regarding uh, affirmative action in higher education. It had been challenged by a group led by a political activist named Edward Blum, Students for Fair Admissions. Um, different suits went all the way to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court has struck down race-based considerations in admission. Uh, there's been a lot of discussion about this, what it means. Uh, does this put cracks in affirmative action, not just in uh, higher education, but also uh, in the workplace? What does this mean and how far back did this set us? We have joining us right now, literally, one of the most brilliant brothers in this entire culture. Someone who I've been a big fan of for a very, very long time. We just did the whole I'm a fan, you're a fan thing, but I don't think he understands just how much we all look to him yeah. to help us make our opinions and make sense of this crazy world. A writer, journalist, a poet, an author, storyteller. I'm reading that from his own bio. But most importantly, a very smart man. Michael Harriet is joining us today. He's going to help us talk about this a little bit. First question to you, my brother. Um, I know you guys will be talking about this over at the Grill and stuff, but my first question to you is, what was your initial response when you heard the Supreme Court decision come down? Well, so my initial response, uh, I had expected it. I think everybody kind of expected it to happen. Uh, so it wasn't a surprise. Um, I, you know, I think the waiting game was just to see how they were going to frame it. Uh, they've been preparing for this since Ronald Reagan. Clarence Thomas, you know, I think it's important to remember that Clarence Thomas was put on the Supreme Court to do this. Uh, if you look at this makeup of the Supreme Court, it's, you know, people who like to say conservative or liberal or 
appointed by a Democrat or appointed by a Republican, but what each of those justices hold, especially conservative justices, are specialties. Amy Comey, Comey Bryant was put on the Supreme Court to strike down abortion. She accomplished her goal. John Roberts, the, affirm, um, the Voting Rights Act, that was his entire uh, judicial crusade was against that, right? And Clarence Thomas was put here to strike down affirmative action. You know, Clarence Thomas never wrote an opinion until he, you know, the Supreme Court started hearing these kinds of cases. And he issued one of his longest opinions ever today. So I don't think that anybody was surprised. We expected it. And it came to pass. Um, first off, I just want to say I'm a big fan, too. I don't get to say that that often with our guests on the podcast, but I'm, I'm a big fan of everything that you do. Um, you tweeted out and you talked about, you know, you told people, listen, before you begin your think piece on all of this, and I'm just paraphrasing what your tweet is, you talked about admission preferences for legacies, donors, employee families, and spe special recommendations. And you talked about how those are still allowed. And Ever since I've seen your tweet, I've seen this growing discussion that people are taking that and running with it. And people are talking a little, I mean, even more about that in a way that I feel like they were before. Um, what are, can you talk more about your thoughts on, on that? And, and even more so if you think that because people are talking about it even more, if there may be challenges to that in the future, and if there are challenges, do you think that they will be successful? Yeah. So for years, I've been hoping that someone would challenge those policies. In 2019, um, a group of economists, uh, you know, people always think that I'm a, you know, maybe an English major or a history major. Like my, my master's degree is in macroeconomics. So I'm a real big mm. fan of it. I taught a class, a college course called Race as an Economic Construct. And so in 2019, I talked to a group of economists who had a working paper that looked specifically at Harvard and Ivy League uh, admissions. And they classified, they took this group of things called ALDC, uh, athletes, people who got in because they were athletes, legacies, people who got in because their family members were at Harvard, uh, donors, people who families uh, donated a big uh, chunk of money, and then people who were children of the employees, C, ALDCs, right? And they found that 42% of the white people at Ivy League colleges got in through ALDC admissions. So the white people get the affirmative action. Only 17% of black people got into college on anything close to what you can consider affirmative action, right? So and so I asked the, the researchers, hey, so if you removed these loopholes, how would that change the racial makeup? And it was like, oh, it was like the white, the number of white people would go down and either depending on which one you removed, the black people and the Asians would either stay the same or rise. So white people get into college on affirmative action much more than Black people or Hispanic people or non-white people. So the Supreme Court didn't strike down race-based admission policies. They struck down the ones 
that only help non-white people. And I think that's important to, to point out because there's this merit, what I call the merit myth that, you know, black people get in because of loopholes and white people get in because they're smart and, you know, they're good students and they study hard. And that's not the case. Most of the people in college who got in through a loophole are white. You know, I, I want to come back to some numbers and figures on that in a second. But I want to stay on the cultural side of this real quick. Uh, because I think, I, I do think to the point that you're making right now, that the intellectual interrogation of this is going to reveal some things. And to anyone who has any sort of uh, curiosity, some truths that I don't think that people are aware of and maybe dispel some myths as we dive a little bit deeper into this. And that's why it's important to continue to have the conversation. But I want to have, like, I want to ask you about something that I'm starting to see and that's a concern of mine. There is, I watched something on CBS earlier this morning. And when I watched it, I thought it was interesting in the way that it was positioned. They were having a conversation about this issue and I was watching as much stuff as I could on it. And they went from an African-American, uh, a black American, should I say, a, a black American young lady who was uh, an undergrad at Duke. She was explaining why uh, affirmative action at these higher institutions is important, right? And then they cut to an Asian-American student who's going to Brown next year. And he argued the other side. And I thought that that was interesting because that's a direct positioning of this is one side of it and this is another side of it. And there was an adversarial nature to it. Mm -hmm. And when I'm looking up and down my timeline, what I'm seeing is a lot of resentment from Black folks to people in the Asian American community because they feel like they took a shot at them and kicked them out of Harvard and Princeton and Yale. What do we do about that, Michael? And where do those people put those emotions? Because there are fires that are being stoked here that I don't think that some of the people, or maybe they did know, uh, whether or not these things were going to bear out like they are right now, but I see it happening. Yeah, so that is a concern, right? Um, because we know when you look at history, when you look at the culture, like, we are the target of everybody. Like, every time Black people take a step forward, the positioning of the narrative is that we're taking something from somebody. Uh, whether mm -hmm. it's white people, whether it's Asian people. And the thing, the important thing to remember now is that all of the stuff that we talk about when we talk about the disparities in education don't apply to the Asian people. And I know we like to call it like white supremacy when the correct word is anti-whiteness, anti-blackness, right? Because white supremacy and racism is different than anti-blackness, right? Like, so Asians don't aren't reduced to uh, redline neighborhoods. As most Asians don't live in redline neighborhoods. Red, even when redlining was a thing, right? Asian neighborhoods weren't, uh, weren't 
worse to live in uh, for banking standards. You could still get a mortgage in, in Asian neighborhoods. Uh, they were, depending on which state it was, they weren't subjected to the Jim Crow, but that legacy did not follow them, right? So when you erase those laws for every other group in America, right? When you make them legally uh, equal, you kind of erase the disparities, but that's the, what lingers on with Black Americans is that stigma that extends from the history of slavery. Now, my point is always that, yeah, Asian people you were at the front of this lawsuit. Yeah, you know, there's that same discussion to a degree with, like, African and Caribbean immigrants. And yeah, their outcomes Certainly. are better in in the America, there's statistically no way to, uh, you know, argue against that. Like they, people who come to America in general have a better statistical outcome. My point is always, yeah, but white people did that, right? Like they constructed a system where as long as they benefit from it, other people, they don't care if the Asians benefit, they don't care if the Hispanics, because, you know, they're going to co-opt now, first it was Hispanic. Now it's, you know, uh, non-white Hispanics versus, you know, just Hispanics, I guess. And, and so we are at the bottom of every consideration. So everybody else who even gets close to the proximity of equality and whiteness wants to step on our neck to get uh, it's closer. And mm. even when they do it, we have to understand that white people did that. If we dismantle the policies that white people are trying to wield as a cudgel against black people, all of those Asian people, they'll, nothing will change for them. Nothing's going to happen to the Hispanic people. Nothing's going, the people that they are targeting with those policies, we are the step stool for them. And whoever does it, yeah, you can look at the Asians and say, they, yeah, they used you. But this case is a win for white supremacy and white people. Mm. Yeah, and I guess this is, this would be a question for both of you, Van, because you brought this up. Is there not being any discussion towards that? Because to me, and we kind of talked about this as we knew that this was about to come up and how it all came about. But is there not being any, there's not any discussion on the fact that, you know, this student, this Asian student was being used for these purposes and the fact that the purpose behind it is to not blame necessarily white people, but for us to be attacking each other as cultures. Is no one having that discussion? Well, I, I, well what I think is what, what you've seen in terms of this is like something that bubbles under that come over, that came over to the top, right? The model minority sort of, um, uh, sort of framework says that, Hey, there's no way that Black Americans could be um, systemically disenfranchised or oppressed in America because there have been other groups that have come over here and they've done so well. And when you talk about the model minority, uh, oftentimes, um, to Michael's point, uh, the Asian American culture, the AAPI culture goes like specifically um, a, a couple of different pockets of it go to the top of the list and they go, look how they're, they perform in this and how they perform in that. And so the genius part of what was done with this particular case is that it, in a lot of people's minds, in my opinion, juxtaposed what they think is a bad culture with a good one. 
Right. And then they they asked the Supreme Court to really choose a culture. And I'll just be honest with you. The optics of it is choose between a culture that values education, that values hard work, that values all of this, and they're being treated unfairly, and juxtapose that against a bunch of shiftless, lazy niggas who are trying to get somewhere for free that they didn't earn. And that is the quiet part that was said out loud here. When you make somebody like that, when you say, hey, this is the thing. Um, and the nuance of the argument that Michael just laid out and all of that stuff, just nobody cares. Like I, we could we could talk about it until we're blue in the face mm-hmm. about the fact that everything that was done to us, it wasn't an accident. It was on purpose. So you'd have to undo it on purpose. I'm about to get mad. But like nobody cares. Mm-hmm. So I'll let my I'm about to get pissed off. Go mm-hmm. ahead. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, yeah. brother. I, uh, so so maybe what I'm about to say is gonna piss you off more. But <laughs> the you you also have to remember this, right? None of that stuff that applies to Asian Americans and immigrants and Hispanic Americans apply to us, right? You the mm-hmm. you can get the best education as a black person, and it does not guarantee you economic freedom. It does not guarantee you economic equality. It doesn't guarantee you a jo- guarantee you a job. None of that applies to us, right? So you know what? All of those people. The white ones, the Asians should be glad about is just that we don't burn everything down. Because really and truly, the truth is that the reason that a lot of black people aren't upset about this is not just that they expected it, because that shit don't work for us anyway. Going to Harvard ain't going to work for you if you think that's going to give you it, it might get you uh, some uh, some respect in the eyes of white folks. But. You know, there are statistics that show like the richest, you know, let's if we're talking about this case specifically, let's talk about this case specifically, right? So if you're a black child in America, the the richest black child in a majority black, first of all, 60% of black children go to a school that is majority black. Majority black schools are are underfunded at about $2,226 uh, per student less than the poorest majority white school district. So the poorest white students in America get a better education than the best two-parent household black children, right? That's a fact, right? And so here's the thing, right? They talk about what Van said, well, respecting education and the culture and none of that. Why would you respect an education system that ain't never, ever been constructed or equal for us. What education system? What would you respect? Like, why would you respect somebody who threw crumbs on the floor? Why you got to respect crumbs, right? None of that shit works for us. You know, education, experience, employment, none of that. A child from the wealthiest 5% of Black children is just as likely to get incarcerated as they are to graduate from college. None of that shit don't work for us, right? None of it. And so the framing of the narrative that if y'all work a little harder and stop getting through loopholes, maybe y'all could get somewhere. The truth is, man, like, you know, this, this decision is not just 
for Asian Americans, a victory for white people. Like, it's another stomp on the neck for black people. You have to remember that every decision, whether it's gerrymandering, like, those were, those were people say, who came to the Supreme Court and said, hey, is segregation right or wrong? Or is affirmative action right or wrong? Or in the case of voting rights, is voting uh, disparities, is that right or wrong? They were white people who specifically went to overturn a policy. Shelby versus Holder was Edward mm-hmm. Bloom. Went there specifically to undo yeah. black people's voting rights. Affirmative action mm-hmm. was there to specifically undo education uh, policies that try to fix the past. They can consider, again, the past of white people, legacy. They can consider donors. All of that is the past, right? That's all uh, uh, affirmative action is. Using something as a factor to determine whether or not you should be admitted into a school. And they can, like, white white people have 10 times the, the wealth of black people, right? So when you're talking, when you're talking about donors, that's a race-based admission policy. Right. When you talk about athletes, 70 percent of the athletes who get college scholarships are white. People don't realize they look at baseball and foot, basketball and football, but they forget about crew and golf and tennis. Right. Seventy five percent of the Bad people being recruited at Harvard right now are white. So all of it mm. is constructed against us. Right. And so the one thing that was intended to erase that disparity, they went specifically to say, we want that shit too. Um, let's talk about the response for a second. So, I'm interested in the what now of this. Uh, President Biden uh, said some words earlier. He said that he was going to instruct the Department of Education to... Uh, to, you know, form a, a, a committee to cut, try to figure out what they could do um, to, make, to make sure that, uh, in, in, that there's the disparity in higher education doesn't grow because, you know, we've seen this before in California. Here in California, um, after race-based uh, admissions were suspended, race being a consideration was suspended, you saw half of the Black and Latino students at these schools almost overnight. And that's been going on for a couple of decades now that the UC system has had problems with uh, diversity. After they took it out, like they, it, just, it just happened. And you'll probably see this as well. You've seen a number of schools come out and say that they're going to do what they can do uh, to make sure that these things, those same trends don't hold true now. What can they do? What can the president and the Department of Education do what can an individual school do? They can't break federal law. So what can they do? Right. So there's a couple of things that I've, I, I think we can do. First of all, remember, like, this, you know, Harvard is a private institution. University of North Carolina mm-hmm. is a public school, right? And yeah. so the people of North Carolina, especially the black people, right, in the state that has such a large percentage of black people and such a low percentage of, of students at the universities that it funds, they should file a lawsuit to say, you can't have our money, right? Like, that, because it's what it is, mm-hmm. I've always advocated that this is theft, right? Like, if 20%, if your state is 20% black 
and the public universities are 8% black, then all of those black people's tax dollars are being used to fund the education for white students, right? So mm. to do it, we know, we've seen the studies, yeah, you got to undo the legacy policy then. You got to undo the, the donor policy then, right? Because those are race-based policies too, right? And so when colleges undo those, then they're going to have to construct a system because what we have to remember, right, is no college is saying, hey, we only accept the best students, not even Harvard. What they're saying is we're accepting students based on creating an educational environment that is best, most beneficial for the students who attend this college, right? And so if you're going to have all white students at Harvard, first of all, it's going to be a worse college because the black students and the Hispanic students and, and those students who were getting in through what they call affirmative action, they were buttressing the reputation of those institutions for those white kids who got in through those ALDC policies, right? Those white kids, those colleges would be mediocre white rich people if it wasn't for those policies, right? And the other thing mm -hmm. that we can do, right, is so we can sue to undo those policies, right? Because they are just as unfair as race-based admission policies if, if we consider that unfair. The other thing that we can do is go to state legislatures and go to, to Congress and say, look, Apportion money based on their racial dynamics, right? Because what you're saying is we're taking black people's money and giving it to white people. So the federal funding that these schools get, if you, if you don't have a representative portion of black people at your school, no Pell Grants, no financial aid for that school, mm. right? Mm. We want to, the, you, your community should be able to control the federal dollars that go to the individuals. Now you see what they do. They'll figure something out, right? They'll figure something out. And, the, and, and, and finally, and I know we get tired of hearing the voting stuff, right? But again, they constructed this. They played the long game. They weren't talking about, I'm going to get a president who exactly concedes to what the things I want. They had a strategy. I want me a president who's going to put me an anti-abortion candidate on the Supreme Court. I want me a uh, affirmative action judge. I want me an anti-voting rights judge. And we got to think the same way. We want our stuff back. Mm. The stuff that we pay it for, because they're still in our money, right? We got to take that stuff back. And the only way we can do it is not through being anti-white. Because the, the one thing that, that they don't realize is all of this stuff hurts them. White people are going to be going to terrible schools. And black people, you know, what this, the one good thing that might come out of this is you know, those students that won't, don't get into Harvard, they're going to be busting the doors down at Morehouse and Spelman and Howard. And, and oh, those yeah. schools are going to surpass them. Those schools are going to surpass them, right? And it's going to be a bunch of mediocre white kids rowing boats at Harvard and Yale, wondering <laughs> what happened to the <laughs> reputation of their schools. <laughs> um. In talking about the what now and looking at the the majority opinion that was put out there, it's got a lot of people asking questions um, because Chief Justice Roberts said, you know, talked about, oh, well, you can talk about it in your essay. You can discuss your experience of race in your essay, but you can't necessarily be questioned about that um, specifically. Uh, then there's the whole military. The military is exempt from this. What what do you think about that? What are your thoughts as, as to why? Because I've seen some of this discourse on social media as too, as to why the military is exempt for this. What would be the basis behind that? And then also uh, Chief Justice Roberts saying, but you can talk about it in your essay. You can you can speak to your experience of race. 
So you know the reason why they're saying where they accept <laughs> the military is this, right? Black people, I people know. of color, non-white people disproportionately serve in the armed forces have mm-hmm. always done it since the inception of the armed forces, right? So that's that's the main reason, right? Like we can't, we can still let niggas die for this country, but yep. they can't get the benefits that this country affords them, right? And the thing about the, the second part of the question, right, is wh- what now and what happens to all of the other uh, stuff where you can put, say it on your essay, like you can, so you can include, uh, what they're saying is you can include a sob story, right? You, it's not, it doesn't hurt that an admissions person knows that you're black, but they can't use it as a corrective measure for all of the stuff that we did, because like one of the sentences that Cl- Clarence Thomas said uh, is interesting to me, right? Because it's crazy that he would write this in, a, in an opinion. He said that, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, right? You cannot have a measure that is based on race and not harm another race. So if you help one race, he says, you got to be harming another race. Well, that is the exact premise of affirmative action. For 200 years, this country helped the white race, right? And so if you're saying that they couldn't Mm -hmm. help but harm another race if they were helping white people, then you see, you admitted that they were harming black people. So you have to take a corrective action because the idea of colorblind or race neutrality says that, A, all of that other stuff from the past we did it, but from now to the future, we're going to be race neutral, which means that you're going to let all of these disparities stand because you ain't trying to fix them, right? Race neutrality mm-hmm. can't mm-hmm. fix those things, right? You got you to gotta take an affirmative action to correct the disparities from the past, right? And that's the point. Mm. Guys, that was Michael Harriet. <sighs> Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. He did piss me off more. <laughs> I, 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 like, I didn't want to be mad. I don't want to be mad. I, y'all know. You know man, how can oh, you man. not be, though? Oh, how mean, can, how you can you not, not be mad? Be? You don't support me when I'm mad. Don't make, don't. I don't. support you today. Nah, I support we, you today. We, we, we can't fight in front of company. Um, Listen, <laughs> I, at Michael Harriet on Twitter, like, let me tell you guys something right now. Like, I remember there was this one week where I had three different friends that were doing shows. This is a true story. I've never told you this. I had three different friends that were doing shows. That They had shows coming out. And like, three different people said, I gotta have him. That's real. They were talking about you. Wow. Like, three different people were like, and the three different people were like, oh yeah, this, okay, so this is my wish list. This is my, and two of them didn't get you. This was my wish list. <laughs> like and, and and he was on there and I was like oh man I that brother is amazing bro it's such a big treat to have you on the podcast um hopefully hopefully there is uh an understanding that comes out of kind of the assault on uh black liberty and uh advancement that you know we're seeing uh, at the at the federal level from the supreme court you know I've talked about abolishing the Supreme Court. I know people think that I'm a crazy socialist whack job, but 
I've lost complete faith in the institution and I don't see how they serve us anymore. And they, if you look back at the history of it, they rarely ever did. Michael, thank you for joining us today on Higher Learning. We will continue to follow you and ask you back for sure, brother. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Uh, I'm so happy to be here. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Michael's amazing. Michael's literally one of the most talented guys. Um, I read him all the time. All the yeah, time. It's, it's, I'm so happy that, like, that, that, that he's, he's animated about it. That he's, I'm glad that people are mad. Aren't you glad that people are upset about this? Am I not mad enough for you? As I said, you be getting mad. On my face. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm glad he's mad about it. I'm glad we got him on this podcast to talk about it. Um, and I would imagine that a lot of people are mad about this today. Even, you know, it's like we all knew it was coming. We knew it was coming this week. We knew it was coming today. And mm -hmm. still, just to hear, you know what? You know what got me worked up is we knew it was coming today. But then when I start reading what the majority opinion is, when I start reading the dissenting opinions, it get it works me up. It just, the reasoning behind you implementing this or taking back, I should say, precedent and putting this in our society. That's what gets me worked up. Then I started reading the, so the social media discourse on it and I'm fired yeah. up again. So yeah, man, I'm mad. Um, so of course, just to give you guys the nutrition, uh, Chief Justice Roberts, in his opinion, um, and the entire challenge here is based upon the 14th Amendment, which is the and, and the Equal Protection Clause that is in the 14th Amendment is argued right. that race-based emissions uh, violates that. It violates that. Um, it violates the 14th Amendment. Uh, of course, like Rachel said, it, they exempted the military from this situation. Um, it's interesting. A, a lot of this stuff is interesting. And I think that's another thing when people talk about the legacy situation. The legacy situation is something that colleges do and it's something that colleges have, but it's harder to challenge because admitting someone based upon legacy is not expressly what people would say forbid in any statute. So 
uh, I think that the part of this that was the most, um, that was the most sort of insidious was the interpretation here that in some way affirmative action violates the Equal Protection Clause in the 14th Amendment. Um, and if that were the case, and it was so important in college admissions, then you'd, uh, I guess you'd ask, why isn't it important in, uh, in, in military academies? Um, citing the distinct interests that they present. Now, here's a couple of the problems that I have with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these are problems that I have, not just with this decision, but with America. This is kind of uh, an example of the lies that we tell ourselves. The lies that we tell ourselves as Americans, right? The meritocracy lie is a lie that we tell ourselves. If Harvard wanted to admit, if Harvard wanted their entire class next year, their entire class next year to have perfect SAT scores, they could do it. If they wanted everyone, I remember the first person that actually made this point to me uh, was Jabril. Years and years ago, he went to Stanford and he was talking about his, uh, my brother had one of the most, uh, one of the highest LSAT scores of that year. It was like legendary at Morehouse and stuff, right? Um, And he was like, you know, that matters. But he was like, if they wanted to admit, because he went to Stanford, he's like, if they wanted to admit, if they wanted everybody to have that, there are enough applicants and enough people that get that for them to have that. Mm -hmm. He was like, that's part of the reason why I was admitted, but it's probably not the whole story. The whole story probably comes from uh, what he was able to do when he was at undergrad, the fact that he had a job and he worked super hard at this legal place and then he went to New York and he did all. He's like, those are probably the reasons why I beat out some of the other people that had similar scores, even the black people, right? Mm -hmm. So um, that changed the way I looked at all of this even back then, that a part of admitting to someone to your school is understanding uh, the types of leaders and thinkers and Americans that you want to create, right? The types of leaders and thinkers and Americans that you want to create. That's part of the reason why uh, some of these places admit people to these schools, right? Because um, they want, in situations like this, uh, to be able to have a diverse um, a diverse student body because you know they, they want that to they, they want to to reflect that in you know in their alumni and I'll give you an example of that like Clarence Thomas right mm-hmm. like Clarence Thomas is the perfect American example of why a school would want affirmative action okay and to be honest with you, why the white establishment would want affirmative action. It's interesting that he's such an opponent of it. I hope everybody's listening to Slow Burn, the Slate podcast, Joel Anderson and the, the, the people over there doing great, great, amazing work. But when you think about it, if Clarence Thomas had never gone to Yale, mm-hmm. and when you know his story, you know how he ended up there, if Clarence Thomas would have never gone to Yale, then um, white America wouldn't have their most bloated and powerful white man's nigger. If the Ivies never had, they might. 
but there's only they they've would. only been only they've only ever been two black guys to sit up there. They might, but it's not easy to make those Supreme Court justices. It's only been only been ever only ever been two black guys to sit up there. The story of Clarence Thomas is interesting because, you know, he goes to Holy Cross. Uh, Difference gets he goes and goes to Yale, and when he's at Yale, the affirmative action thing is such. Uh, he starts off and he's in, Clarence Thomas when he was at school he planned a walkout with the black student mm-hmm. union when he was at Holy Cross he was going to take all of the black students and they were going to leave based upon the way they were treated there right yeah his proximity to white people at Yale is actually the thing that inspired him to look at the world in a different way he met John Bolton when he was at Yale. And he rubbed elbows with people. And those people took Clarence Thomas from someone who looked at Black America and the experiences of Black Americans in a very specific way. And it turned him into someone who stood directly in the way of anything that tried to undo the horrors of of the history of white supremacy. And he learned that at those organizations. And they've been able to use, at those schools, should I say, they've been able to use that very effectively. You know, he started his entire deal with the Reagan administration in like 1980, 1981. By 1991, this motherfucker was on the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. And all of those things are examples of kind of like, it, it, no one plots out your course when you go to one of these schools. Like, you don't, I'm, we're not saying it, no one is, what we're essentially talking about here is cutting off the opportunity for black people to be something on a specific level. It's difficult. Yeah. I, there are amazing people that come from all different types of schools, all different types of schools. Howard is one of them. Howard is a fantastic one. There's a great guy that does a podcast that came from Southern University. Like it, there's, a, there's a bunch of different people that come from all types of different schools. But when you look at the advantage and the privilege that is specific to some of these institutions that we're talking about, um, this was a very, very, very efficient and direct assault on one part of ascension. And it's interesting that Bloom and Thomas and Students for Fair Admission and parts of the Asian American community who don't see America in the same historical lens that we see it in, you guys, there's no way to get around that. There's no way to get around the fact that you're talking to people who think that they're missing out on something because of us and they don't understand what we've missed. Like, they don't understand, they they have no framework for it. So it's really a stupid fucking conversation when you think about it. When you think about what it means to be Black and what it's meant to be Black, and when you compare that to whether or not you should get a chance to like, go to college? When you think about what's really owed and what we really should be doing, it's really a stupid conversation to have. So, well, you know, I, 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 what, what are you going to say? What, what you got? No, I don't want to interrupt you. I want you to finish your thought. No, I'm done. I'm done. I, like, I don't, this is, this, is the, this is the problem with me. The issue with me is that I, I get to a point and I have a problem crystallizing the the rage that I feel. I just get tired of being called a nigger. 
And this was like a it, big, huge, like in neon lights, a big nigga. Yeah. It's the way that it is wrapped up and presented to you, which is why most people can't see that's exactly what they're calling you, me, everyone who looks like us. Um, you talk about, I can't remember how you phrased it, but the, the, the thing, I guess the thing it was what it boils down to is they don't know how we're different and they don't care to know how we're different and the historical and then like, I guess the, the history that comes with that, right? They don't know how Jim Crow created the education gap. And they don't know that because of the way the generational wealth gap in the neighborhoods. And then because of the neighborhoods we live in, it determines the school funding that we receive. And then that determines the type of education that we receive. They don't talk about the fact that from admissions test to the schooling that we receive to legacy to donors and all of that, how that's against us as black people. They don't talk, they don't talk about that. They don't care to know about that, right? Everyone's out for themselves, which is why it was so interesting to have the conversation of how this is really pitting Asian Americans against black Americans. They don't care about that stuff and that stuff. And it all feeds into this, this fantasy, right? This fantasy that we don't need affirmative action, right? There needs to be no affirmative action taken. It's this fantasy that we're colorblind. It's this fantasy that, or the words from you brought up, um, Clarence Thomas, that he says the Constitution isn't colorblind, but yet it's missing that the people who have to interpret the Constitution are not colorblind, right? The people who are reading these admission packages and looking to see who comes into their schools, they're not colorblind. And that's this whole fantasy that they're trying to like tell you, oh, everything is okay. And, you know, we want everything to be race neutral. It's this fantasy that Asian Americans and white people are the victims in all of this. And they're not. And that's what this opinion is feeding us. And that's what makes me so upset. You have centuries and centuries of us being enslaved in this country, you have over a century of Jim Crow, since, since Jim Crow laws were implemented, and they still exist to this day. Yet affirmative action, when it was first implemented almost 60 years, or affirmative action was almost implemented 60 years ago, changed again in 1978, so 45 years ago. And for some reason, at that shorter time, you think that everything has been cured and we're all okay. When we're talking about centuries of institutionalized racism. That's the kind of stuff that makes me upset. And nobody wants to look at it that way, except for Black people, the ones who are affected by it. And I'm sick of the fantasy being told, and I'm sick of people believing it. So Sandra Day O'Connor, uh, she said back in the 80s that um, when discussing affirmative action and holding, that there might be a time when it was no longer needed. And I agree. She said, tw she said 25 years. She's 25 years. She said, in 25 years, it might not be needed anymore. And we beat that. Like, and I agree. I mean, I, I agree that at some point, uh, there could be a time where we didn't have to consider these things. I agree that's possible. What I don't see is being anywhere close to that. Um, no. If I had children, I wouldn't send them to Harvard, Yale, and Princeton anyway. 
I think it's important that black people go to those schools, but I wouldn't think that it's important that my children go to those schools, um, you know, so whatever. But I think that the narrative here, you know, there are all kinds of legalities that go on here. You know, what's legal to be challenged? It's not legal to be challenged. How this happened, the political activism that had to go into making this happen, how Donald Trump and his election uh, influenced this. Uh, Donald Trump um, has touted uh, black unemployment. He's touted, oh, black people had it great. You hear people regurgitate that. It's directly a result of the court that he helped to create, the court that he didn't help to create, the court that he did create. So all of these things have consequences. We've discussed those. The, um, but like, you know, the bare bones of this uh, kind of exists in the actual reality of Black people today. And are we living in a society right now where things are equitable enough, progressive enough, or uh, sanitized enough to where the history of this country and the traditional patterns of this country no longer need to be considered? And they're just metrics that you can use. Have we shrank the, the, the gap between white people in terms of wealth? No. Michael brilliantly plotted out some of the educational disparities. Do those exist? Yes. So, you know, I think the real affirmative action here um, would be in actually taking a real look at those disparities and how you might uh, come to some different outcomes or, or fix them. But we're not allowed to do that. And we're not allowed to do that because having a conversation about how we got here is being made illegal in states all over this country. They are literally stopping us from discussing the issue and then acting like it doesn't exist. And everybody's got to play a part in this. Everybody's got to play a part in this. Everybody's got to play a part in what happens next. And what I would say to the president and to anyone else is, I want to see if this is where we are. We're all, we're merit-based and this is the whole deal. I want to see class be treated just like race. And that's something that America has never been able to do. America has used race to denote class, but they've never treated class like race. So they've never said that, hey, the privilege that you were born with shouldn't denote where you go. They just say your skin color should. Forget about the fact that your skin color is a direct disadvantage in almost every way. And, uh, uh, and privilege is an advantage in every way. Like, understand when people, when we talk about wealth transfer, we talk about, like, parents leaving, like, fucking houses and cars, money to children, and, and all that. We talk about that. Paying for your kid's college, that's a wealth transfer. That's something that a sure. lot of people can't do. If you have money that's been in your family for, and then you take your wealth and pay for your kid's school. That is a wealth transfer. That is an in vitro wealth transfer. You're in, that's an in vitro wealth transfer. In vivo, excuse me. That's an in vivo wealth transfer. You are contributing 
to the future of your children, right? And so what I'm saying is we're talking about the legacy thing now, and obviously that's low-hanging fruit, but the reality is I would like to see legislation that eliminates that. All of the numbers are out there. You guys can hear about it all. I would like to see people really, really on fire, and that includes President Biden, Vice President Harris, and everyone. If we're to a point right now where we can't consider race in creating an equitable America, then we need to have a serious class war, a, a real one, to where there is an assault on the toxic, the toxically affluent. And it, there's no other way around it because, like, I, I, like some of this stuff is not even that I it's not even that I've ever had a thought on a Tuesday morning about affirmative action at Harvard or Yale or Princeton or North Carolina or any place. I've never had a thought about that. I never have. But what I have thought about is like what we live in and how we live in it. And the most insulting and infuriating part of this is acting like in some way we're the ones who are living large. It's just interesting. I, I tell you guys something, man. You know, a, a, a lot of people, a lot of people say all the time, you know, Van hates white people. Van has a pro, Van resents white people, and they say that, and I don't. I don't hate white people. But I'll tell you one thing, though. It's a full-time job not hating them. It is. It's a full-time job. I don't, but it's hard. And I don't give a fuck where this goes or who has a problem with it. It's hard. It's hard for me. Yeah, I'm not going to make a, I, I, I get what you're saying. I'm not going to make a general statement like that, but it's hard. I understand why you're saying it's hard because of the people who are making it their mission to protect themselves at the expense of us. And they're doing it in the legislature. They're doing it legally. And that's where that hate comes from. And I understand that. I want to circle back to something which you said about class. What do you mean class? Like class should be the focus. Like I feel like I didn't fully get what your point mm. was in that. Mm. What what I'm what I'm talking about is like uh okay, so there has to be in my opinion when I talk about class. I mean, race to me is tell you the way I look at this, like the because are you saying people, they should use class? That's more my question. I guess, but directly and indirectly. So, black people have been America's permanent underclass, servant class, and entertainment class forever, right? Like forever, black people have been that. Uh, and I think that sometimes people think in very academic terms about that. Meaning capitalism is the driving force 
behind Black people being the underclass, right? Because it comes from slavery. It comes from slavery, which was a capitalist thing. And it was, uh, people would say it wasn't an emotional thing. There's no hard feelings, nigger, you're just a slave. Okay, and I've heard that before. I remember hearing that at TMZ. I remember somebody at TMZ saying, uh, somebody that worked at TMZ comparing the Holocaust and slavery and saying that the Holocaust was worse because they were killing Jews just to kill them, whereas slavery was horrible, but there was an economic incentive in it, which in some way mm. made it less personal. Made it okay. And, um, and less directly evil. Okay. And, you know, what you do, you, you do your best. Like I said, I said, I don't hate, but I said it's a full-time job. I said it's hard. And... <laughs> And I I get that. I said, it's a full-time job. I said, I don't hate. I really don't. I don't. But it's hard. It's hard hearing something like that and then going, who the fuck am I working with? You know what I mean? And it's said in front of a room full of people. It's hard, you know? Um, And that's why you got to have faith and spirituality and Jesus and you got to see the God and people and you got to take everybody at what they are. But, you know, sometimes America makes it hard. I'm not above saying that. Um, but when I come back to that, I think about the lack of context that that actually uh, has inside of you. Because one thing begets the other. So what happens is you have a group of people that you've made your permanent underclass because they financially benefit you. They benefit your economy. After a while, you look at those people as less than, at first, shall I say, you look at those people as less than maybe to explain why you have to subjugate them. But after a couple of generations, it's not even that much of a trick. You just think they're subhuman. After a couple of generations, after one generation, two generations, you're not convincing yourself that a mother's screams don't matter anymore so that she can go out there and work in your field. You're not convincing yourself of that. You taught your kids that. And you taught your kids that, and then they taught their kids that, and then they taught their kids that. And then, even after these same people are free, you just don't want a nigga to have anything. Sure, you don't want to compete with any niggas. So there is definitely a part of Jim Crow and all of these things that were institutional control and the permanent establishment of a, a white aristocracy. That's absolutely true. But there's also an emotional and a deep religion of hatred that went along with it. You do not believe that these people are equal to you. You think it's real. And that becomes the reason why you don't want them living next to you. Because you think having them around devalues you. Because they're not really people. And that's the same reason why you don't want them at your schools. And that's the same reason why when they then create their own schools, you make sure those schools are poor. Right? So we get to a point sure. after this where, all right, now we can't talk about race. That's gone. Class is still there. Class is still there. Class is there. So we can't talk about race. We can't talk about race in fucking Florida. We can't talk about race in Tennessee. We can't talk about race in Louisiana. Can't talk about race in Texas. Can't talk about anything in Texas. The only thing you can talk about Texas is fucking AR-15. Can't talk about any of that stuff, right? But class is right there. And it's sitting in front of our face with this, with this issue here. With this issue here, you have a bunch of people that saying, you know what? It's nothing unfair 
about being able to go to a school with C plus grades, and that's not an exaggeration. You went to Trope Rosemary, you went to Horace Mann, and your grades are just okay and you still go because somebody in your family went there before you or they donated a bunch of money to, that's not unfair. We don't care about that. But the fact that you are trying to change with your admission to that school, hundreds of years of intentional, deliberate, and real oppression, that doesn't matter. So, if we can't talk about race, you got to talk about rich. And we have to take the rich people of this country down the peg because they're wilding out. And the way to do that is to force the people who are elected, and we might have to get kooky, to force the people that are elected to prioritize the everyday person and their absolute opportunity in this country. And it's grassroots, and it's got to happen. All of this stuff is in the same globule to me. The corporatization of this country, all of that stuff. Like we're just stepping over things now. And now the playing in your face, as I get to be an older man, it's like harder. So when I say class, and I'm obviously failing at being concise here, but when I say class, I mean, all right, so we're talking about disparities. Let's talk about it. And let's really attack them. And if we can't attack the disparities, we have to find something else to attack because the ball is rolling right over us. Sure. What you, now, now I need you to go on a whole 15-minute 15, 15 rant. I'm, I'm not talking, no, I'm not talking going, 10 minutes. Not going no, I'm serious. I'm not going on a 15-minute rant. Because, like, you know, I, like, there, it, it, legally, what, what recourse, like, legally, what does this mean? <laughs> Legally, what does it mean? I mean, it basically means it doesn't mean anything other than exactly what the Supreme Court put out there. Affirmative action. Race is no longer considered. You, I mean, I, I have no answer for it legally. I mean, I asked Michael, I said, well, do you think that people will challenge based on other things? That might be a thing. Maybe it will be a class thing. Maybe it will be standardized testing. Maybe I, I have no idea. But legally, I don't know. I think the best thing, and I don't know if this will impact um, different classes, but I do think one of the best things is to take away federal funding. Because that's, I mean, that's the only reason that it's applied to Harvard is because they received federal funding. That's the only reason they, had, they, got, they were able to rule the way that they were in the Harvard case. Harvard receives federal funding for what? I don't know in what way, but they received some federal funding. Federal? And that's how, that's how they were able to, because think about it. That's why these cases are separate, right? Because one is dealing with the public school and one is dealing with the private school. Mm. And the reason that they were able to, or their reasoning was that Harvard receives certain money. So they were able to rule on it under the Civil Rights Act. Wow. Mm. That's mm. why Michael yep. said take away federal funding. I mean, you can you obviously do it statewide, but it's like, and I don't know how Biden could do this or if this is even under his you know, the executive branch, but he's right. If you don't do this, we'll take away even, funding. But, and I don't know if you can do with that. that. Even with that, I just pulled it up. $40.9 endowment 
and Harvard gets $22 million in federal work-study funding. Now, let's just look at that. Let's look at that real quick because we got to move off and this And who does topic. that benefit? It, it benefits whoever is in the fucking work-study. But let's think about why an institution like Harvard would get something like that. Do you know why? Because it's educational regulatory capture. Because schools like that produce the people who run the fucking country. And then the people who run, run the fucking country then give money to schools like that that don't fucking need it. You don't think that if I was the president or the secretary of the treasury or something like that, that I would write a $50 million Southern University grant? Of course <laughs> I would. Right. Of course I would. Absolutely I would. It's the better funded stuff that 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 the 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 better the better prepared stuff the better. I don't know, man. It's as I don't even feel. I don't even give a fuck about. I just feel insulted. I don't know everybody. I just you know I'm insulted. I'm insulted by it. Well, we'll see what we'll, we'll see what happens now. Everybody's saying what they're gonna do. Everyone's saying what we have to do now. What we're gonna do. Um, I think this is just the beginning. What are they saying they're gonna do? I mean, you know, the president said he's going to study it. Various colleges have come out and, uh, you know, recommitted themselves to what they think is uh, is, is in their mission statement, which is having diverse. Come on. And um, I, that, I mean, it makes I'm just saying. But it makes me upset to even hear you talk about that. Because that. it's like what I, I, I listen to the president talking. What I don't want to hear the president say is that, you know, he's meeting. You knew this was coming. Right. So I almost feel like you should have already been ready if there was if there was something that you felt like you could do that was within your powers, then you would have been ready to pull that out the moment this decision was made. You knew it was coming. We all did. They didn't say anything that was different in this in this the, the majority opinion than we thought they were going to say. And I don't want to hear schools come out and say we're going to abide by what our mission statement says, because there are nine schools that don't or I'm sorry, nine states that don't have um, affirmative action prior to this ruling in their public school system or state school system. And majority of those have reported that diversity has been impacted. They're not doing anything. It doesn't matter what their mission statement says. This is what it is. And then I thought to myself too, I said, well, maybe if for some, if some, somehow, if the majority of the court becomes liberal again, they'll be able to change it. And then I thought, no, are we just going to keep going back and forth with this? Fuck the court. We just could, are we just going to keep going back and forth with, okay, well, when it's a majority liberal, then we'll change all the laws back to real liberal. And when it's supposed to be a court that's bipartisan, we know it's not. Do you, know what, what the pro- you know what the fucking problem is? The problem is of a group of unelected geezers having 100 times the power of the people that we actually elected. There needs to be a real conversation about power and kingmaking in this country and the Supreme Court. If, in fact, here's the deal. Supreme Court struck this down with just their interpretation of the, con- the Constitution in one decision, right? If, this, if we wanted to actually attack the legacy situation or any of these other disparities, it would be almost impossible because you'd have to actually amend the Constitution. You'd have to change statutes. 
because there's nothing to sue on. There's nothing to sue on. There's nothing that says they can't do it. There's nothing to sue on. So that will never happen. Somebody should start it. That will never happen. Okay? That's not going to... They can't fucking do anything together that in, in terms of... That will never happen. So that means that you have essentially a situation where a group of people who I never voted for fucking once get to decide where niggas go to college. And, mm-hmm. and, as we, and as we do this, as they get to decide where niggas go to college, they get to decide if ladies have babies or not, they get to decide all of these things. Like, we have to have some conversations and we have to have some real mobilization of that, that, that is based in the reality of the situation that, that we're in. The, the reality of the situation right now is we're in a politically activist court, a rogue court that is not indicative in any way of the mores and values of regular, of, of most Americans. And we have half of the country politically, maybe not half, but a large portion of them, who just refuse to see America for what it is. And the only way to change it is to find a way to hurt rich people. If you consider me rich, I'll hurt myself Mm. if it means hurting them. So, like, I'm, so I'm, I'm, I'm saying, man, okay, cool, let's move on. You know what? Let's move on. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. We're going to have a new segment (laughs) and it's uh, positive news of the week here. Okay, because everything else is fucked that we could talk about. <laughs> all right, everything yeah. else is fucked. We stayed on that. I wasn't smart at all. I'm sorry, guys. I lost it. It's cool. Everything else is fucked. But positive news of the week is this. Over at No Jumping, this is a positive piece of news. Well, we're taking a huge left turn. <laughs> but we got to do it. We got to do it. Over at No Jumper, this something is all positive you. happened. Mm-hmm. Congratulations to Adam22 and Linda the Plug of No Jumper. Because Linda the Plug did her first porn scene with another man, Adam and Linda. 
do porn scenes sometimes. Adam is, of course, the leader over there of No Jumper. He's the the guy that's in charge. They do porn scenes together. They have the No Plug uh, podcast. They do stuff. And for a long time, they would do threesomes. Adam would have mm-hmm. sex with some of the hottest ladies in the adult industry. Linda would be right there. Then Linda would do girl-girl stuff. I watched an interview mm-hmm. where Linda was talking to Adam and she said, that she would want to, and she thinks it would be really hot if she got to sleep with other guys. And it finally happened. Adam talked about it and fucking confused Crip Mac. But I think this is an amazing step forward for equality. I think it's a very important development in their relationship. It shows trust. Okay? Oh, my God. Lena looks very happy. The nigga, I guess, you know, he came up from behind her in the situation and that motherfucker looked like he played, like he was a jack linebacker. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So I I just want everybody who's judging this to know that in the porn world, the couples frequently do scenes with other people. And I never thought that it was fair that Adam could sleep with Lena's friends. Oh, wow. Lena, is that what they were doing? They were sleeping. Like, Lena would have friends. Riley Reed, the rest of it. Adam would sleep with Lena's friends. They would all have I'm a not, I'm Adam sorry. Would... I'm not up to date. I, I barely know who these people are. I, I, but I know Lena only could Adam. Sleep so, sorry. With I the niggas not... from Blacks.com. Now, let me ask you this. There's been some talk about this. Adam is white. Lena's Armenian. The guy is black. Donnie, jump on real no, quick. No, Donnie, You're don't married. do it. Don't, don't, Donnie, I beg Donnie, you. Jump on. Donnie, jump <laughs> on. I'm here. Donnie, jump on real quick. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't even want to Could show Could you imagine face. any scenario where it was, if you were in the porn world, do you think you'd have a problem with your wife doing scenes with men? I don't. Donnie, don't. No, I feel like I would want it to be equal. I get it not being fair. Like, I wouldn't, I can't see myself Don't being... Don't wrong answer! No, the answer Donnie, was you wouldn't do it. About. No, I'm you saying... You wouldn't Donnie. do it. I would... Ha- so, this is me, like, it, stepping outside of myself. And if mm. I was able to sleep with these <laughs> other... with that. What, saying sleep with is, I feel like, a weird choice of words, too. Because nobody's sleeping. But if I were to have sex with these other ladies... And she wasn't able to, it, or she was just having sex with ladies, but not able to have sex with men. I feel like that wouldn't be fair. It's not fair, right? No, that's unequal. And that's not what we're about. We're not about, we're about equality. Exactly. Adam was, I, Adam was a little, I told um, him we would be talking about this. Um, Adam was a little trepidatious about letting people know the whole nine and all of that stuff. So, you know, this is equality. We're probably the only people talking about it, so. Nah, that's not true. But, I mean, really, I'm just doing it now because I'm like, can I have a real moment with the audience real quick? Fuck the no jumper shit. Let me have a real moment with the audience real quick. Like, seriously. And, you know, we can leave after this, but I want to tell people this. Like, I'm unwell. Okay. Like I am. 
I admit it. Like, I'm unwell. You know, I used to, as a child, I used to watch, everybody else would be watching fucking The Terminator. Terminator going through a fucking uh, police station killing people. And, like, everybody's like, oh, my God, Arnold Schwarzenegger is such a badass motherfucker. And I would be thinking, what happens when you die? That's what I would be thinking. I would be thinking, like, what happens when you die? I don't think that's wild. Like, he just sent 15 niggas to the hereafter. Like, where are they? Where are they right now? And I would go talk to my mom. I'd be like, I just watched this movie. All these people got killed. Like, where are they at now? And my mother's like, Jesus, you believe in Jesus? They're with Jesus. So like, I was like, how do we know? We don't know anything about them. Like, they might not be with Jesus. They might have gotten sent to hell. And I just wonder, like, what the, I would legislate the stakes of the Terminator movie. Like, I get, Rachel, I get grasps, I get, like, locked on to the thing that this is, like, the one life that you get. You ever think about that? All the time. Actually, all the time. But what makes you say that right now? one life. Because you get one life and you got to spend it getting your ass kicked by people just because of who you are. You get one life and you got to pretend like shit isn't the way that it is. You get, you literally, you get, you get one spin on this globe, like you get one spin on this globe, one time to like smell flowers and to like uh, swim and to do all of that, and somebody might blow your head off just because. Somebody might fuck over you for years and years and years and years and then tell you that there's not even anything that you can do to make it right. And everybody else just goes to brunch. And it's not like I do anything. It's not like I'm out there, like, actually. It's just like, it just, it just girts me up. You know, I just get girded. I, I girt. I get girded. I just get girded up. I just get tired of being played with, man. Like that's why I do so many things where I can control stuff. Where I play Madden, where mm-hmm. unless the game glitches, I can either win or lose. Where I, where I like basketball, where I like fucking comic books, where I like stuff where I can fucking where it's either not real or I can Shh. fucking control it. Of course, that's the escapism. Of course, of course you do. I think about that because all the time. when I start and when I, think, I start thinking think about, about this stuff, yeah, I get mad at everybody, and then I say I stuff, it. you know, whatever, man. Like that you hate that you hate white people. I never said that. That's not what I said. <laughs> I never said that. I said I don't, and I really don't. You work at it every day. I know you work at it no, every day. I, I'm saying I don't, and I said I really, I really don't. I don't. In a real way, I don't. Don't hate any. Can I? Tr- but what I'm saying I- is, just walking around this motherfucker, being from Louisiana, and having people say stuff like, "Oh, it's racial. Why can't I say the n-word?" And then, "Oh, it's, it's this different." And like, shut the fuck up. Shut up. Shut the fuck up. Shut I'm. Up. I'm gonna jump the gun. Because I'm gonna try to change, not change mine try to take a turn to make you think but about Adam something Atlanta, else. That's, that's good news. No, that's not what we're going to do. What I'm going to do is I'm going to jump the gun and introduce a segment that you wanted to introduce next week. What is it called? What Could Go Wrong. Okay. Okay? I'm going to try to segment. take your mind off things for a second. What Could Let's Go see. Wrong. 
right? I'm yeah. going to tell you some news that came out. And you tell me what could go wrong. What could okay? go wrong with this? Okay, let's do it. Dr. Conrad Murray. You remember him? Uh, nigga that killed Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. he is opening up a medical institute 12 years after he was convicted for involuntary manslaughter. Mm. He's opening it up in Trinidad and Tobago. Mm-hmm. What do you think could go wrong with that? Okay, so I would say go wrong with that. You say Trinidad and Tobago is where he's opening it up? Yeah, yeah, Trinidad and Tobago. So he could open that up and give poor medical care to people that causes people to, black people, to be hurt. And no one would care. Okay, wait, I feel like I made you upset again. He then could have somebody that was white come down there and get medical care. They could be American, doing it for the cheap. And then they would die. Right? He would be extradited back to the United States where he'd be tried for the, the, the death of an American. And then after that, that could cause an entire conversation in this country about whether or not black men should be allowed to be doctors. Oh my gosh. Then <laughs> could start at the state level with Edward Bloom and his people trying to revoke the right of black niggas to be doctors. And in 20 years, it could be made illegal for a black man to be a doctor, which then leads wow. to man. the McConnell-DeSantis Act <laughs> of 2055 <laughs> that starts an exploratory committee to examine whether or not black people should be given mandatory work assignments around the country to cut down on crime. So what could the worst that could happen at any time? The answer to this question is they could bring back slavery. (laughs) That's what it always comes back to. (laughs) We should... We should we should always end the segment with that. The goal is to bring it right back to where it started in this country. That, what's the us. worst thing that could happen? They could bring back slavery. You guys, <laughs> I'm unwell. Um, Rachel, you know, we didn't do pleasantries. You know, we we didn't do pleasantries. I know, I know exactly why. First off, you already had a a really tough start to this podcast, to add on to everything that is happening currently in this country, you couldn't even get to where you were going. How long, how many hours were you at an airport So I want to shout out to Kai. I'm in Northern California right now. I want to shout out Kai from The Ringer, producer Kai. Um, I want to shout him out because I was trying to get to San Francisco and I couldn't because the flight was delayed over and over and over again. Uh, so, I mean, like really delayed more than anything, like delayed from like nine all the way to like fucking four. And we had to do the podcast, which were already delayed. So thank you to Rachel and Ashley and Chloe and Donnie. And, um, we then, uh, I had to figure out how to record. So Kai, one of the best young producers at the Ringer, uh, lives near the airport. So I came over to his house and now I have to drive from where I'm at 
to get to my event. So shout out to Kai. Thank you very much. Uh, but it's been it's been a long day of me just reading about race based shit all day. So I'm a little fried. Fuck everything. Mm-hmm. Class. Mm-hmm. In the legacies. Go to HBCUs. I don't know. I know they fuck over them too. Rach, say something to cheer me up, Rach. Like, come on, let's cheer I, each other up. Well, let's be cheery. I tried to distract you when you brought it back to slavery. With, nigga, what by bringing up Conrad Murray? <laughs> Hold on for a second. This, this is hilarious. So, 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 so I said Rach, distract, not cheer you up. I said distract. So, Conrad Murray, the nigga who killed Michael Jackson. I, did, I, I saw something that said they're going to put Michael Jackson on trial. Is yeah. that true? Um, Donnie, did you see that? Well, that choreographer won't stop. Yeah, I don't know if they're putting him. The, wow, he, he, the he's suing him. Won't stop. Jesus Christ, Wade, Rachel, that's Wade. a tough. Wade in his name. What? That's, that's a true. T- Sorry, I said he's c- continuing to sue him. He won't stop. Take it how you want it. So you think he should stop? I'm just saying he's still going. What if Michael Jackson fucked him in the ass though? So, well, well I mean, he definitely should stop it. No. So, but I thought can, can you, from a legal standpoint, can you try somebody who's dead? What's the what is the, what is actually that he's doing? It's way I don't know. Right? Let's look it up because I know this is this is another. We're just fucking. It's not even in the podcast. We're it's just Wade. vibing now. Let's see. Wade Robson, Wade Robson, Australian dancer. Uh his corporations are facing trial. Corporations. Over so let's look at it. Michael Jackson's accusers can finally get their day in court because they say the company was complicit. So this is a civil suit. A three-judge panel of the California Court of Appeal breathed new life into the child molestation claims barred by leaving leaving Neverland subjects Wade Robeson and James Sifchuk because Michael Jackson's. The plaintiffs alleged alleged that MJJ Productions, Inc. staff were complicit and aided Jackson in grooming, sexual abuse, and cover-ups. So men have a legal case that can be trialed with allegations that both that they were molested by Jackson uh, after a pop star befriended them when they were children. Um, so I, I'm unclear of how this goes. Is this a civil? This would have to be civil, right? It's a civil suit. It's a civil suit. It's a civil suit. What's your thoughts on this? Hold on. Emergency broadcast system's going on. Can you hear me? Hold on. Yeah. My head, I switched to my headphones because uh, uh, there was an alert. Hold on, I got to get it back. Can you hear me? Hello? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm not giving my thoughts on this. Why? First off, I feel so sorry for anybody who's listening to this podcast because once Michael Harriet left this, things just took a turn. The podcast is fucking over. No, I'm not going to get it to it. I have no, I'm not going to get it. We, we've we been promising them for years at this point that we were going to have a deep dive on Michael Jackson. What I'm not going to do is prematurely talk about it on an article that I haven't even read. I've literally just read the headline. We're not that type of podcast. Mm. Sorry, I'm not. And you Let already tried to turn what I said when I said he's still Let me going. Let ask you this, seriously. <laughs> Don't you feel like with the Michael Jackson situation that people have, you know what I'm trying to do? Rachel, come, it's like, it's, we're united on this. Think about the things that we're not united on, but we're united on the fact that like, we're two scumbags 
that fight very hard to take the allegations against Michael Jackson as serious as we should. We're hypocrites. This podcast could be called Higher Hypocrites. We're hypocrites. <laughs> we are. We are. Like, we're regular, you know, because we're people. You know, like, Rachel, let's just get into some truth. Let's take five minutes of truth. Donnie, my, Donnie. Podcast, my, my, my AirPods keep popping in and off. I have no idea why. So I don't know how this is messing with the sound. Okay, look, it's not me in the podcast. It's fine. So. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's terrible. Sorry. It's bad pod. D plus. Right. Even, my, even my podcast, my, my AirPods don't want to have this conversation. It's true. <laughs> like, All right, done. look. Um, we're done. Take the caps off, but do not stop learning. You guys, we have to pry, pry justice and equality out of the hands of the people that are squeezing it out of us. I think pry is too nice of a word. We're at war, man. What, what do you think? We're at war. We're at war. It's going to really get weird are. on this podcast in the coming weeks. A lot of things have been going on. It's tough. You need a nap. Okay. I do. Uh, take the caps off, but do not stop learning. I'm Van Lathan Jr. Wait, before yeah. you go, I'm sorry what? to cut you off, Rachel. We do have the Summit of the Sexes announcement. We could uh, oh. end on that note. I was going to record that after the recording, but let's just put it in the show. Let's do it. Actually, leave that in that Donnie just said that. Uh, Some of the sexes. Rachel, you want to announce something to somebody? Well, I guess we will end on a high note. Guys, we've been we've been promising that this is coming. And Thought Warriors, we are actually going to have a live recording, a live show in L.A. And we're not going to do it by ourselves. If you want to join the crowd, you can buy your tickets for our first ever Summit of the Sexes. We have been teasing this. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a conversation discussing how men and women approach similar topics. Van is bringing two of his friends. I'm bringing two of mine. It's going to go down. It's happening Monday, July 17th at Reparations Club in Los Angeles. The space is extremely limited, you guys. So listen up. This is how you can be a part of it. You grab your ticket at rep.club slash higher learning. Again, that's rep.club forward slash higher learning. We're going to do some meeting and greeting. We're going to record the show and we're going to take your questions live. This is unscripted. I have no idea how this is going to go down. I just know it's going to be good, especially because we've been talking about it for a minute. Again, higher learnings. Summit of the Sexes live podcast recording will be at Reparations Club in L.A. on Monday, July 17th at 7 p.m. And you guys can get your tickets at rep.club slash higher learning. And we hope to see you guys there. Can't wait to see you. I hope you guys come to the Reparations Club. <laughs> Bye, everybody. <laughs>
Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side by side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.